Welcome to the Cutting Your Angels podcast. This is Bobby Shaw, alongside my co-host, as always, Miles Gift. And on today's episode, Miles has an incredible conversation with Pepper Lunch CEO Troy Hooper that you are not going to want to miss. Troy got his start in the restaurant industry working in the Caribbean around hotels and private clubs. Not a bad gig at all, if you can get it. Troy has been a serial entrepreneur and has accomplished some incredible things in that space, but has some great advice for everyone who is considering becoming an entrepreneur, which is that it's going to take twice as long as you think it's going to take, and it's going to take twice as much money as you think it's going to take. Both very, very true. Troy is now the CEO of Pepper Lunch, which is a 30-year-old Japanese hot plate concept, and it's gaining some incredible traction here in the States as it's already a huge hit internationally, and we can't wait to try it here on the Cutting Onions podcast. We also have plans to get together with Troy sometime in Los Angeles or in Vegas over uh, three or four old fashions to continue this amazing conversation. So without any further delay, here's the conversation between Miles and Pepper Lunch CEO, Troy Hooper. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Cutting Onions podcast. Uh, I am Miles Gift. I am here with Troy Hooper today, uh, CEO of Pepper Lunch. Um, Bobby is on hiatus, uh, doing whatever Bobby does on a on a beautiful Thursday morning uh, in the fall. But uh, we are happy and excited to have Troy on board. Um, we've been working on getting him on for a couple of weeks to hear his story and and find out all about the exciting things that Pepper Lunch is doing out there in the in the West and and abroad. So Troy, uh, welcome aboard. Thanks, Miles. Glad to be here. Been looking forward to this for some time. So as you may know, Cutting Onions is really focused on a couple of things, right? Culture and how that fits into the restaurant and then really the the story. We we like to say our, our, our good friend Jay Timms tells us it's not a destination, it's a direction. So as we go through, it's we really like to tell the story of how you got to where you are currently and some of the trials and tribulations that you faced along the way and how you overcame them. And so if you would just tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, you know, um, my story starts that uh, I was born into this industry. My father owned a couple of construction companies and one division of that uh, focused on commercial and and he loved bars and nightclubs and restaurants. And, uh, you know, in the seventies and eighties, there was a really unique sort of growth of bar culture and uh, hangout culture and things like that. And so I literally grew up on a construction site of a bar, restaurant, or nightclub um, until I was in my late teens. Uh, literally every day after school, uh, every weekend, at least on Saturday, um, definitely all summer long. So, you know, I grew up in this business and uh, in part, I didn't want to go into the construction side because when you grow up in it, you're kind of like, I want to do something yeah. else. But I had an affinity for the business because not only did my dad like to build them, he really liked to hang out in them too. And so <laughs> I spent a fair bit of time at happy hour. Yeah, <laughs> um, fair enough. Yeah, so I actually at 17 went to culinary school. Uh, you know, I got out of high school uh, at 17. I went straight into culinary wow. school. And uh, I thought I wanted to be a chef and, and do that literally for a living. You know, and at 17, what do you know? Um, and you know, right. I did that. I did that uh, all through. Uh, I continued my college career. I did that all through school. I ended up cooking a total of about six years. 
<clears throat> made it to sous chef at a family Italian restaurant. Um, never went abroad, never did the, you know, sort of the immersion uh, culinary thing, but uh, certainly got the basic skills and got some great uh, experience, but realized that, you know, I was really more interested in the entrepreneurial journey and more of the ownership kind of idea. And one day I want to own a restaurant, right? That's what everybody yeah, said. Right, right, everybody. Uh, yeah, but I, I ended up uh, finishing my college career in a business school and getting a business degree. And um, and it really kind of solidified a foundation of interest in in sort of the nuts and bolts of all of the aspects of the restaurant and hospitality industry. Um, and unfortunately got an opportunity to uh, go work in some hotels. And uh, I did take a sidetrack and went worked at Procter & Gamble for five years. They recruited me. Um, it, it just was through relationships and people I knew. That was a great, great thing for me though, because um, it gave me some diversity and some understanding of other business principles and leadership and um, and sales techniques and people skills and things like that. But when I was done at Procter & Gamble, um, uh, I, I came back to the hospitality industry and ended up working uh, on opening or uh, returning around, being a part of the management team to turn around um, uh, some resorts in the Caribbean. I ended up spending six years oh, in the wow. Caribbean, um, or turning around a resort uh, as part of a new ownership group. And, uh, and then opening a new resort uh, from the ground up un under construction. Um, and that really, that really locked me in. I, I, I was, I was dead set about being uh, in this business. And so, you know, from there, um, I, I met a girl, uh, happens to be my wife in the other room, getting my son off to school. And uh, uh, she, uh, she's in the business as well as an executive in the hospitality industry on the hotel side. And uh, we ended up moving to Breckenridge, Colorado, for her uh, for her work. They uh, they called her back from Miami, and um, you know I, I've spent the last uh, 15 years uh, with my own consulting firm, uh, helping hotels, uh, private clubs, golf clubs, and ultimately restaurants within those and outside of those venues. <laughs> Excuse me, um, you know, build new concepts, reconceptualize um, venues, and uh, come up with. Uh, you know, new brands as well as help brands expand. And it's just been an absolute joy and a ride. I, I absolutely love what we do and uh, it's been an evolution and, and that, and, and that's all good because I get bored kind of easy. I need new stuff. I yeah, need new right. interest. Right. Um, so about six years ago, we spun off KRP Kiwi restaurant partners as just a restaurant division, just a group of people um, that uh, my partner, Mark, had been doing this for years and, and what he what he always did was emerging brand scaling services helping founders with three five ten stores who recognize that they've met the wall where their skills end and they need help understanding what the next steps are and how to get from 10 to 20 or 20 to 50 or 50 to a thousand absolutely so we built an entire consulting firm around that we recruited some phenomenal c-suite partners uh to to join that team and so we have this immense brain trust of executives who've all run 200, 250 plus size organizations from the ground up at the executive suite. And we have a great team of support staff that all specialize in different areas of this business. And so really there's no challenge or no opportunity we can't take advantage of and be a part of um, that growth model. But we really bring a C-suite to the table and we help our uh, founder groups and our operating groups uh, upskill themselves, uh, roadmap and strategize how they want to get from where they are to where they need to go. And then we just bring all the tools and resources to the table, really. Uh, we don't just tell them what to do. We actually do a tremendous amount of the work with and for them. 
Um, but we bring all the partners to the table to accelerate their opportunity for growth in the business. So that's my whole career in about two minutes. Well, it's fantastic. And I'll make sure that uh, we get contact information for you because that's kind of what we specialize, right? Is that that restaurateur out there that is growing and trying to scale and comes up, comes into issues and, and what are the resources? Who can they turn to for advice or help? And, and, you know, sometimes it's just a, what did you do when, you know, kind of, yeah. kind of conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's, it's fantastic. And I was looking back, you know, kind of through your history and, and I thought you were perfect for, for us as a, as a community, because of that, you've, you've done both, right? You've been the entrepreneur out there growing. And so you've, you've got those trials and tribulations. And I kind of want to get into that in a minute, but then you're CEO of a brand, right? And so you're leading and you can speak to culture and, and what you do on a daily basis. Um, so kind of getting back to the entrepreneurial side as you, as anybody starts, right? There's, there's hard days and there's days where you yeah. question yourself, you know, and why am I doing this? And, and, and should I not be doing this? What else should I be doing? So, um, you know, we, we, we try to provide that for the listener as to someone else's perspective. They've gone through it and this is kind of what they did or, or how they did it. And, are there times that you can speak to or things that you think about when I, when I talk about that and, and what did you do? It's a long list. I'll say this. Um, I've wanted to be an entrepreneur all my life. And it really comes from the fact that my grandfather owned his own plumbing business as a master plumber. My father owned multiple construction companies that specialize in different areas of that business. Um, I, I never knew anybody that had a job in my family. They all, they all did their own thing. And um, yeah. so it was sort of ingrained in me. Uh, but but thankfully, um, I was wise enough to uh, have a career and and work for other people in different facets of this industry. Uh, I'm a very curious person. I've always wanted to learn. And so no matter where I was working, I was dug in as deep as I could to learn that role or that side of the business or that vertical of career, but at the same time, I was also dabbling in a lot of other things, and usually one other thing pretty deeply. And um, so I kind of always had these parallel lives at you know at the same time, sort of day job, sort of what am I what am I going to do to learn at night or on on days off, and you know really focused a lot on the entrepreneurial journey and what it meant and how do you start a business and what are the legalities and how much is it going to cost you know and all these things. Um, <clears throat> entrepreneurship is really hard. Uh, I think a lot of people make it look really easy and make it sound really yes. easy. And, yeah. um, you know, part of that is, uh, selling it, selling yourself and selling your business and your idea right. and what you're working on, because, you know, if you go into a room and talk about how hard it is and how long it's taking and people that you're trying to attract to invest or trying to attract as customers or trying to attract as employees aren't, aren't going to have confidence in you if you're talking right. about hard stuff. Right. Right. So, right. So you really suck all that stuff in and um, you got to have people to talk to about it. I'm very fortunate. I have a spouse who is outrageously um, patient and understanding. And because we're in the same industry, we can certainly relate to each other on the sort of the topic of it. But um, she's somebody who never wants to own anything. Uh, do Try that at all. Right. Like yeah, she yeah. loves the stability and and loves you know uh, leading other people and and having an organization and all these kinds of things, but 
um, you know, I, I've encouraged her several times. Oh, babe, you should do this on your own. You should do that on your own. She's like, uh, no, thank you. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, and I don't blame her because I mean, looking at me, I can't even imagine why anybody would want to be an entrepreneur, but it, you know, when I say it's hard, it's hard because, um, it can be very lonely. You know, you are forging your own path for yourself. Um, you know, all of the responsibility is on you. There is nobody to blame. There is no, <laughs> you know, if they only gave me more money or gave me more yeah, employees right. or gave me more resources, it's you, you have to get yeah, to and, and, uh, and, and most entrepreneurs are not sitting on millions of dollars the day they start their business. Right. Where most of us are bootstrapping this very, uh, very small at the, at the beginning. And it, you know, I'll say this, it's sort of like building a house. Uh, it's going to take twice as long and cost twice as much money. If, if anybody wants to have a takeaway about entrepreneurship, uh, yeah. For me, it's probably taken three times as long and 10 times as much money uh, <laughs> to make it happen. But uh, it takes a long time to get traction and get recognition and get um, and get trust in 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 all of those elements of investors slash partners slash customers slash employee. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, you know, that's that's my punchline is uh, plan for it to be a journey, not a destination. Um, it's not glamorous. Um, very few people succeed, I would say. And being an entrepreneur in the hospitality restaurant business, you know, uh, is, uh, is a pretty, pretty uniquely hard spot. But, um, if you put in the time, uh, and I've put in 31 years, if you put in the time and, uh, and you absolutely love it and you're passionate about it and, and you, uh, are excited, you know, to, uh, help other people or be a part of, these uh these journeys with other people or or your own journey with whatever you're building um then then there's always something to do and it's never the same thing yeah. and yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of reward in it when you look back on where you've come from i think one thing about entrepreneurs i'll leave it with is we're always looking at the next thing growth 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 bigger more stable you know more verticals more profit centers how do i get here right and uh, I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs stop and look back. And if you just look back, you know, 10 minutes, you know, think about all the, where you've come from since you created the thing you've started on this journey with and, uh, and be, be mindful of that. Because uh, if you don't look back and take some pride and, and take some solace and take some comfort that, oh my gosh, I've actually come a long way. It seems like it's taken forever because you've slogged it one step slowly at a time. Uh, you don't realize the thousands of steps you've actually taken so far. Well, and, and that that's amazing because everything you just described is kind of what we're about, right? We probably, when you get on a podcast, they want to know what's next, the technology, where are you going with your company? And we want to do that. We want to take a time out and pause and look back um, because your story has so much value and, and those moments. And, and I've, you know, said it on this podcast where I was sitting in a dark parking lot as a franchisee in St. Joseph, Missouri, and it's about one in the morning. And, and like I said, appropriately enough, all the lights in the parking lot were out and I'm sitting in this dark parking lot and I can't make payroll and I can't pay for the food that's supposed to come. And in, in those moments, you're thinking, what am I going to do when the sun comes yeah. up? Like, like you're praying for the, the sun not to come up. And so if looking back, it, it was there in this journey kind of a light bulb moment where 
you feel like you're struggling, you're struggling, and in the moment you may not realize it, but something happened. Was it a connection with a person or was it a realization of yourself that really kind of propelled you forward? Um, you know, I I don't know how I have accumulated such an incredible community of support. Um because the answer to your question is there's no one person moment or time uh, other than my wife. I will say absolutely there have been many times where, hey, um, are you going to make any money? <laughs> I mean, um, we're we're living kind of mean over here, you know. Yeah. Uh, you keep saying it's around the corner, it's around the yeah. corner. Hey, it's just around the next corner. And it's I, a long bend, right? It is. And I I, I akin that to, uh, no, honey, I don't need a map. I know where I'm going. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Like, are you sure you didn't miss the turn back there? There's a pretty, <laughs> pretty good job you turned down right over there. You know, do you want to go back and take that? Um, so, so I, I, you know, I have to say my wife is, is that motivating factor who made it okay for me to continue to take the risk, to continue to not make any money when we all knew that I could go out and make a very healthy living and a comfortable living mm -hmm. for us. And, um, you know, especially as we started to work on uh, having a family. Uh, and so the timing was really good because things started to do a lot better right around the time we got pregnant with our son. So, um, you know, it was kind of like, I got this, babe, we're good. We're going to be okay. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean that those are the pivotal mo moments is those moments are always going to be there. And, and it doesn't matter how successful you are or where you are in your journey or where you think you've gotten to, you're going to come up against that wall again. You're going to hit that fork in the road again. And, and every time it's going to feel like that first time, I think it does for me of, yeah. Do I go forward? Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go back? What? And, and sometimes taking two steps back to go 20 steps forward is the answer, right? And I've done all of these things, um, yes, yeah. many of them blindly, many of them completely <laughs> unsure of what the next thing would be. But, you know, back to being a lonely road, it's a very lonely road and it's a very personal road. And you have, you have a lot of moments of introspection of, does this make sense? Is is this ever going to work? Am, am I am I doing the right thing? Is this even where I where I want to be going? Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs. I think this will resonate very well. A lot of entrepreneurs decide to do things that weren't in their core plan for the sake of money or the sake of having a win on the board. Right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have to do that. Sometimes you got to take that sidestep, do that side job take your company in a direction you really just wasn't part of the plan. And my concern and what I see a lot of entrepreneurs do is they stay on that road because it gets comfortable. Oh, you know, yeah. wow. Okay. We're making money. We're making traction. We're getting customers. Things are happening, right? We're, we're selling products. We're selling services, but all the while going, yeah, but I really wanted to make it work over there. That's the road I really want to be on. Um, and so making that leap is is hard for a lot of people. And I would just encourage everybody, keep that going. If that thing is sustaining and that thing is working, whether you love it or like it or don't, get a partner, get a, get a great employee, give part of your business to that person and say, do me a favor, keep this thing going, do this thing. Um, I'll, I'll be here to support, but man, I got to tell you, I was 
I was on a different path. And now that we're in this position, I want to take the risk and go over and, and run that parallel path for this, whether it's this business, another business or whatever. And I see a lot of people do that. And when I do, I'm, I'm really intrigued by, by that. It's like they, they, they did what they had to do for what, and gosh, it can be 20 years. Right. And then they were like, no, you know what? My passion was always over here and I'm going to go back to that. And, and sometimes they pivot the entire company. Sometimes they add it as a product or a service or a, or, or alternative, you know, division, um, which is what I did with Kiwi. We were all in hotels and private clubs and management and turnaround management for 18 years. And I'm like, I love building restaurants. Like, I just want to go work with founders and exciting emerging brands. So I did it um, pretty near a field, really not super far away from what I was already doing, uh, but very niche. We moved into a very niche area. Um, so I would just encourage people, one, you're going to hit these walls. You're going to hit these forks in the road. There is no right answer. Uh, listen to Gary Vee. I've been listening to Gary Vee since 2017. Uh, you never know what would have been. It doesn't matter what would have been. What matters is what's going to be. And, um, and you know, stay as true to your heart as you can because um, you don't want to turn back and regret that you took the easy road or the road that was given to you and, and, and you know, and, and it took you, away from the journey you were on, no matter how hard that journey was going to be. Because when you climb that mountain, and I don't climb mountains, I don't like altitude, I don't like climbing, hiking. <laughs> but when you do get to the top of that mountain, I've been to the top of a couple of mountains in my life. Um, boy, it feels amazing when you when you know the work you put in to get there. Yeah. You know, and, and I want to get into pepper lunch here in just a second, but you touched on something that, that uh, you know, I want to leave this conversation with is that that perception, you know, of success or perception that it's easy and people are afraid to appear vulnerable or, or turn to someone for help. Um, and, and you've got a great support structure. I happen to be the same. My wife's amazing. Um, you know, I can I can talk to her about anything and, and, and lay it all out there, you know, for her. Um, but but kind of talk about that, if you would, for just a second on on that piece of of the journey as well and and how to navigate that sometimes yeah the answer and as soon as you started talking i knew where i where you were going and where i was going to go with this the the answer is mentorship you you have to have mentorship you have to ask other people to join your journey and be a part of helping you and and that can take a lot of forms but i will tell you it starts with if you want to run faster than you run today go start running with people who run faster than you, right? And the adage can be used with money. It can be used with all forms of success, all forms of education, et cetera. If you want to accelerate your success, it, you're not going to do it alone. There's not enough Google. There's not enough YouTube. There's not enough podcasts. You don't have enough time, right? Yeah. And, and that's actually how we gave birth to Kiwi Restaurant Partners. Hey, you could do this on your own and you probably will do this on your own. We can accelerate it, cut the cost, make you more successful, faster, make this an easier path for you. How would you like that, right? Like that's as simple as it gets. And so um, I would say it starts with um, looking up to people, following people, listening to people, paying attention to what they're doing, not what they're saying. Watch what they're doing, not what they're saying. Ask for help. Like Jim Mises, very, very well-known legend in our industry 
I told him a story at a coffee shop in Pasadena about what I was building and where this was going and ultimately what I wanted to do with Kiwi Restaurant Partners. And he says, that's something I'm interested in. That's a journey that I want to join, right? Same with Masamoto Marco, same with everybody on our team that um, has poured in and given of themselves and shared their knowledge and experience to accelerate my learning, to uh, upskill me, to help me forge the right path for the business and goals that I have, you have to ask for help. And the only way you're going to do that is if you tell everybody what you want to do, tell everybody what you're trying to do, tell everybody what you're building, uh, share freely. You know, the reality is, is most people who've been down the path you want to go down or, or um, you know, know the things that you want to know, um, most of them want to give them away. Most of them want to share it. Um, yeah. You know, is it going to cost you go a quarter of 1% of your business or 1% of your business? Is it going to cost you, you know, a flight and a dinner, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. The, the, the value prop there is well beyond the cost of time and money and resources to take advantage of it. So the more people you tell about what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish, the more people you'll find that resonate with the goal or the path or just with you. And it really ends yeah. up being the person, not the business that they're interested in. It's it, it, they, the people invest in people. People want 100%. to help people. And so ask for help, get mentorship, um, look up to, and, and believe it or not, whoever the highest ideal in your industry and in our industry is, you'd be amazed at how accessible people are and how just saying, hey, I really admire how you've built what you've built how you got to where you are, what you're doing, what you talk about. I want to learn more. Can I have a half an hour? Can, can we have, can I buy you a coffee? You would be amazed how many people would say, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go, let's go have a chat. Um, yeah. So I'm going to tell you a hundred percent. There is no secret bullet, uh, magic bullet, secret sauce. There are no, there are no uh, people behind the curtains, pulling the levers that you know you get the lucky draw the answer is the unlock is people community and support ask for help give back give selfish selflessly and the returns on that well, you can call it karma you can call it the universe you can call it goodwill i don't care what you call it it absolutely works it is the unlock to success Amazing advice. And and here at the, the podcast, we like to have that over bourbon, not coffee, but um that's fine. That's... <laughs> I'm good with that. A great hey, you know what's even better is a bottle of wine because you know it's almost like a it's almost like one of those time uh sand uh time uh keepers <laughs> that you know you have until that bottle of wine's gone. So you yeah. know, it buys you a good hour at least, right? Yeah, a bottle of bourbon would be a much different conversation than a bottle yes. of wine. The so. results of that might be a little different. <laughs> So, so talk to us a little bit about Pepper Lunch. I um, live in Vegas, um, up by Red Rock. So, okay. I'm going to uh, I'm in St. Louis currently, but headed home the end of the month, and and I'm I am going by the restaurant. I'm going to have my first uh, meal at Pepper Lunch, and, and we'll talk about it here on the podcast about how how it was, and I'm looking forward to it. So, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what you've got going on over there. Yeah, so Pepper Lunch, um, most people will be surprised to hear that uh, Pepper Lunch is 30 years old in 2024. We have 508 locations in 15 countries. 
Um, we have, uh, we open about five stores a month in Asia today. Uh, we're in Western countries like Australia with 11 stores. Um, we've been in the United States for five and a half years. Um, we have five stores in the continental United States and one in Guam with a second one opening in Guam soon. And we have a store in Vancouver, Canada as well. Um, so we've been here a while and, and we call that the proof of concept period where we proved um, in three states and really six markets that um, this concept was uh, viable in the Western market, not only an Asian concept in an Asian market. And, um, and you know, it's, it's done really, really well. Um, I was brought in uh, early this year, been involved in talking with and working with them for almost a year now, last October. Uh, we got involved at the KRP level um, and they hired our company to help them uh, sort of forward to plan uh, to grow here in the United States because they had um, had a master franchisee that just wasn't uh, growing as fast as they'd like to see the concept grow in the United States. So they asked for our help and ultimately it resulted in me accepting the role as the uh, parent company or the holding company CEO role uh, here in North America and the co-CEO role of the brand worldwide. And you know, that was really um, to help, uh, as we do, uh, not only grow the United States and, and bring that knowledge and resources and experience and, and, and those connections, but also to export um, those learnings and those lessons and those tools and resources to the brand worldwide, really to, uh, you know, sort of redevelop or revitalize the brand as a globally connected in entity. So for those that don't know, Pepper Lunch is a wholly authentic Japanese hot plate concept. And what does that mean? It means we take raw ingredients, rice, vegetables, and proteins, and we put them on a 500 degree iron plate that uh, allows you to sizzle your way to any uh, end result that you like with your meal. You can add sauces and uh, spices and stir it and cook it however you like. Um, you know, akin to say a Korean barbecue or yakitori or other ideas, but we don't have a cooking implement in the table. Um, it, it really is truly a fast casual. We call it experiential fast casual. You come in, you order from a kiosk or a, or a, a counter person um, and cashier, and you sit down in about three to five minutes. We bring you this sizzling hot plate of food and you get to uh, experiment and play with flavors. It's truly a multi-sensory uh, all senses experience from sound and sight and uh, effervescence and smell and uh, temperature. It's a very uh, hot, hot fork of food every time. Um, but, you know, it's also very familiar. It's teriyaki and curry and uh, and steak and uh, the beef pepper rice, uh, which is our number one uh, seller in the product we were built on, uh, is uh, is just sliced beef uh, with rice and vegetables and you can do it with or without any sauces, which is great. Uh, so just a real culinary um, immersive experience that uh, you can get in and out for 20 minutes, in 20 minutes for $20. Uh, so compared to many other ways to have a great experiential dining, uh, you know, uh, meal, you know, we are fast, affordable, very high quality ingredients, and, and just as Instagram worthy as you can imagine. Uh, and I've never seen somebody go there for the first time. They're not taking a picture, taking a photo, you know, taking pictures of each other with the plate. Uh, it's just very visually, uh, you know, interesting and, and attractive as well. Well, I, I think I think that's what intrigues me so much about it is it's different than anything else that's out there. It's a different, and you use the word experience, right? And that's what people, 
when something takes off and, and blows up, it's always something different. You know, someone's at a drive-through or something different to the the usual experience that you get going and dining out. And and I think you're you're you guys are uh, on to something, doing a fantastic job. And as you look forward, now we're going to get into the look forward phase. Kind of what's next for you guys? Uh, you know, into twenty twenty four and beyond. Yeah, it's a really a multifaceted plan. Uh, all, we're running on multiple rails here at the same time. Uh, you know, the first and foremost highest goal is to uh, add units via uh, great franchise partnerships. Um, we are um, working with only experienced multi-unit operators who have um, real depth of experience, not only in the restaurant business and the franchisee business, but also in the market and where they are, that they're experts because they have multiple restaurants, maybe multiple brands that they run in those markets. Um, that gives us a real advantage to uh, speed uh, as well as quality. It really ensures that we're working with folks that understand the importance of uh, maintaining the brand standards and elevating the brand's uh, position and, and um, you know, execution, uh, as well as, you know, having that experience and infrastructure to grow quickly. Um, so right now we're in sales mode. We started offering franchises officially July 7th. Uh, we intend to end this year with 55 stores committed to uh, in, in the United States. Um, we'll turn on Canada uh, mid next year, probably. But we're getting a lot of inquiries from Canada as well. Um, so, so that's sort of phase one or, or sort of journey one. You know, the other is, you know, as we've established and we've spent the last uh, good part of the year uh, focused on establishing and improving the supply chain, uh, renegotiating for our franchise partners, not only for price, but availability and, um, and quality. Uh, we're doing a lot of inspection of our existing supply chain uh, and, and also uh, consideration of alternatives and additional uh, vendors in the space. Uh, and for me, one of the more exciting pieces of it is is innovation around the brand, you know, uh, understanding the brand and being true to the brand's core values and, and history, but also understanding what the consumer today and tomorrow wants. Um, you know, one thing that that we have to be mindful of is that 60% of our guests in the United States today are under 35, um, which is great. Uh, it gives us a lot of information because they're very communi communicative yeah. uh, as young people. Um, but also it gives us this massive white space in front of us of generations, right? Um, you know, if they're, if they're enjoying it in their teens and twenties and early thirties, um, when they start to have families, then, then, you know, we'll start to see that sort of transition to, um, sort of the next generation of customers at scale. So I'm really excited about that. And, and so along that vein, we're doing a lot of consideration around product development and new product innovation. And so, what does that mean for us? We're actually shrinking our menu to make it more uh, consolidated and simple and easier to understand and, and have a few less uh, redundancy choices. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, we're also then looking at what is missing, right? What can we add? And so um, examples are we're bringing in tractor beverage. Right now we're soda only, you know, soda and green tea only. Um, and so we're reconsidering the soda program and renegotiating that, but we're also bringing in some alternative beverages with Tractor. Tractor Beverage is an all-natural, clean uh, product. They have sodas, but we're not doing their sodas. They have frescas and teas. And so we're bringing in their frescas and teas because they actually have a line of flavor profile that's extremely complementary to our food style. They have Asian flavor profile beverages like strawberry dragon fruit and mandarin cardamom and a mint green tea. 
So we're going to have bubblers, which is a new product introduction for us uh, by the end of the year in the existing stores here in the United States. <clears throat> and then we'll expand that over time. And we'll have that in a bubbler and a can for to go. Um, but then we're looking at, you know, the brand um, has been kind of weak in the dessert department for, in, in, I would say. Uh, in Asia, we have haagen vanilla ice cream, right? Um, in the United States, there's some tremendous uh, makers and manufacturers of uh, ready-made desserts that are uh, Asian inspired with yuzu citrus cakes and uh, puddings and things like this. So we're in the we're in the R and D phase here pretty soon. We're, uh, I get to taste you a lot of some, sweet treats uh, here pretty soon. Um, <laughs> so those are the kinds of things, right? We're we're reevaluating and considering and thinking about the consumer today and the consumer tomorrow, and how can we um, do things that are. Uh, honoring and true to the brand, right? We don't want to depart from the brand in any way and, and what it's all about and, and what it brings and offers to the customer. But we also want to bring things that the customer wants and that also will drive incremental growth without without real heavy lift, right? We can add these things without tremendous lift and then um, and certainly add to the top line and ultimately the bottom line for our franchise partners. So, you know, we, we run on a lot of rails. We've got a tremendous global team. Um, we have headquarters in Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong, in the United States. We've got an R&D center in Singapore, a full R&D kitchen. Um, we own all of the stores in Singapore, all 36 stores there. So um, we have a great, a great testing ground for new concepts, menu innovation, uh, et cetera, there. Yeah, you know, you know, and you, you touched on something that I think now is more important than ever in our business, which is the innovation and the the looking down the road part of it. For so many years, it was you you either had a dine-in experience or a drive-through, and your your innovation was really what you what's your LTO coming up. And now right. there's just so many things that are happening that people have to be thinking five years to 10 years down the road and what are we doing and how does that lead to what the customer experience is going to be? And some of it's obviously guessing you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, where to, where do robots play? Where does the ordering, how does that, you know, are we going to yep. deliver with drones, all the stuff that's out there. That's, that's all potential. Of it's on the table. Yep. It's all on the table, right? It, it all takes time away from things like building culture and getting in the restaurants, working with the people and, and, and all of the things, there's so many hours in the day and you've got to decide. And I think where you're at in your evolution is a, a, an exciting time because it's all on the table for you and you've got to pick and choose what you're going to put your attention towards. So, yeah, well, let me, Miles, let me speak to the culture side. Um, you know, the one thing we have in spades is culture. We, we have 30 years of amazing culture. And, and a lot of that is due to the longevity of our executive suite um, and, and our upper management team. Um, most all of them have been with this brand for more than 15 years uh, worldwide. Um, we have a tremendous uh, uh, knowledge uh, bank and, and intellectual, um, you know, uh, retention of this brand's purpose and belief system and standards. Um, and they are incredibly prideful and, and focus a lot of attention on maintaining uh, our culture. And our culture is one of joy and happiness and, um, and serving the customer and sharing this experience and sharing in the joy that the customer has when they experience it for the first time or the thousandth time and they're still enamored by it. Um, and we're really, really fortunate to have this brain trust of 
of longtime uh, employees and management team that are highly focused every day on it. And so as an example is when our new franchise partners come on board, you know, the train the trainer program is 400 hours. Um, it's, it's 10 to 12 weeks of uh, our nonstop training. And by the way, uh, it's only about 20 hours of classroom. It's all on the job in the store with the employees, with employees who've been with us for a very long time, really making sure they understand. We have an incredibly simple operation. It does not take 400 hours to learn how to make this food or run this operation. It takes 400 hours to understand the importance of every step being exactly the same way that you could have a beef pepper rice in Las Vegas at the end of the month and you could fly to Japan and have the exact same dish and it will be identical. Like that is the importance of it to the brand. And not only the food, not only the food, but the hospitality. Yeah, right. Employee. So that's a massive, massive piece for us. We're just very fortunate that it exists for us in, in such a way that is so abundant and so deep and so ingrained that um, it's not something I'm concerned about losing. It's just something I'm concerned about honoring and maintaining without um, without westernizing it or right. artificially changing it or accidentally changing it. I really, really want to be able to say for many generations from now, this has always been about Japanese hospitality. This is about welcoming you to our table and sharing with you an absolutely authentic meal that you would get if you went to any Japanese home and they welcomed you as a guest, this is what they would serve you. And it would be the same meal. And, and it's a, it's a, it really is the food of the culture. And of course, Japanese culture has a lot of amazing cuisines as, as we do here in America and other cultures do around the world. We have diversity of cuisine, but boy, this is one that is just incredibly uniquely good. And, uh, and it's one that most people haven't, actually had because this is truly actually teppanyaki and most people believe they know what teppanyaki is because they've been to benihana or their neighborhood teppanyaki it's really not you know it's like saying panda express is uh, the same as going to uh shangzhou or you know guangzhou or you know shanghai it's not it's 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 an iteration it's an expression of the food but it's not the same right so we really really want it to be the same as if you went to japan singapore or any other asian nation that we've been in for 30 years. Um, so so that's that's an incredibly important uh, facet to, to the brand. Yeah, and it's probably a whole nother podcast on just that piece, you know, that carrying that forward and, and having to pay such special attention to the hospitality, to the culture that it, to your point, doesn't accidentally divert and become something else because it's such an important part of what you do in the experience that it's a, it's a lot to, you know, you're growing your business and you talk about supply chain and, and where can you expand to how fast, because that's, that's a huge piece of it that people, most, a lot of people don't understand is that I, I want to grow in New York tomorrow. I can't because I don't have the supply chain. So, so all of those things you're doing while paying and it's not even when you're running restaurants here in the United States, we understand what our version of hospitality is. And if you're trying to come into any restaurant group, you're trying to increase hospitality. But yours is a whole under different understanding of what that is and what what that experience is. So keeping that going and different with the American worker is probably you know um like i said it's it's probably it's a gonna be everything 
It's going to be everything. And I'm really impressed. I'll call out my U.S. franchisee with five stores. Really impressed. I spend a lot of time in those stores. We're, we're doing the discovery days and sharing, meeting folks like yourself. Any chance I get, I want to meet folks in the restaurant and share this experience with them. And when you spend that much time in the restaurant, um, the employees eventually, uh, the, the air of who you are wears off. You're just Troy now, which is great. It takes time, right? Yep. Probably takes six months. But the reality is, is I see things that, you know, need to be addressed, right? It's not like they're on stage all the time. They kind of forget I'm there. But the fact that I get to watch the incredible pride that our employees who are U.S., under 25-year-old, quick-serve, fast-casual employees that everybody interacts with every yeah. day, yeah. and to see them have pride in this brand, to see them have pride in the Japanese culture and actually use our phrases to welcome guests and uh, see guests off when they leave, the time that they take to explain the menu or answer questions or, or give their opinion about what the right add-ons and what the right combinations are to really change up your dish, you know, the way they like to do it, you know, you know, you're not going to get that at Burger King, right? Nobody at Burger King saying, hey, uh, secret, uh, add a chicken, grilled chicken to your burger. You know, nobody's telling you to modify yeah. it your way, right? Um, and so that's a real fascinating thing. And that's, you know, again, five years. Luckily, our U.S. franchisee is also our Australian franchisee. So they had 12 plus years experience with our brand before they came to the U.S. So that has translated well. So we have this base here that we can point to and use as inspiration, right, for a new franchise group. But the reality is we have to understand it from the top down. So to that point, my partner, Mark, is in Singapore this week for an entire week. His entire reason for being there is to visualize, record, absorb, ask questions, deeply, deeply understand why we do what we do and why it's so specific and why we care about the number of holes and how many holes are in the salt shaker, right? Like, why does that matter? Well, because two shakes of that is exactly the right flavor, right? Um, and so, and I've spent a lot of time in Asia and I'm going to spend uh, several weeks there before the end of the year again. And again, it's just about every decision we make and every, every thing we bring to the table, every, every, every suggestion we bring to the table that we understand how that relates to the legacy of the brand, how it relates to furthering the brand while also maintaining the brand promise and the brand's legacy that, you know, we, we want to so carefully take care of. Amazing. And, and, and I really want, I think you, I, and Bobby should do a live podcast over bourbons uh, at Let's some point and, and continue this conversation. I, I definitely want to be respectful of time. Um, but Troy, thank you so much for coming on. As, as I wrap this up, um, you said you, you're living in Oxnard now, so in the LA area. What's one of your favorite restaurants um, that you go to that you can recommend for folks that are uh, traveling out your way? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> wow. There's a lot in LA, by the way. <laughs> I have a TikTok collection that's probably 150 restaurants long. Um oh, fantastic. I, I would say this, I'm, I'm kind of a pizza aficionado. Uh, so there's a lot of great pizza in, in LA, which most people would go, are you out of your mind? What are you talking about? Um, you know, Chris Bianco is here with Bianco Pizzeria in downtown. Uh, he's the only Michelin, uh, or sorry, James Beard award-winning pizza chef uh, in the country from Phoenix. He's here. So if you're in downtown LA, uh, Chris Bianco's Pizzeria um, if you're in the sort of tourist zone of LA, which, you know, the La Brea area where we have lots of museums and theaters and things, 
Um, right next door to all those is uh, Apollonia's. Uh, it's a Detroit style pizza. You got it's open from four thirty to like eight thirty, four days a week. Like it's one of these cult class. You got to get there and you got to know what you're doing when you you know you get there and get in line. But Apollonia's pizza. And if you're in Hollywood, uh, the the world famous uh, uh, pizzeria da Michele. Uh, it's Lentica. Pizzeria Don Michele, uh, really cool environment, really cool hidden little spot, uh, really great place to hang out and and do some people watching and and have uh, the classic Neapolitan pie from uh, from Naples. So uh, you know, I got pizza on the brain apparently, and I said, okay, <laughs> three spots. Depending on where you Perfect. are, there's three amazing, unique pizza spots. So check it out. And definitely the people watching, like you mentioned, is. Uh, it is, it is LA. It is LA. Yeah. So uh contact info. Uh how can how can people reach out and get a hold yeah, of you I'm, if they want? I'm to? pretty easy to find Troy Hooper on most of the socials. Um, but uh, uh pepperlunchrestaurants.com, pepperlunchrestaurants on social, and you can find Pepperlunch and myself on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest place to find, connect, and communicate with me. Uh, it's where I probably put the most content and uh, keep things most up to date about what's going on, uh, all things Kiwi, Troy, and Pepper Lunch. So uh, check it out on LinkedIn. Roy, thanks for your time. Uh, great conversation today and uh, good luck with Pepper Lunch going forward. Thanks for having me, Miles. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Troy. That was, dude, that was awesome. Great. That was amazing. That was very different. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I'm I'm glad you you know we we spent quite a bit of time talking about the entrepreneur side just because I think you've got such a an amazing perspective on that and and kind of what you said is what we talk about every time from support structure on and and I'm I'm glad when I I mentioned that you really stuck on to culture because again that's the other thing that we really yeah. drive on Bobby and I yeah, talk I, about you know, we talked about we kind of talked about logistics and and like strategies and stuff I was like no 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 no. Culture is a big deal. It's a really big deal to me. I, I spent yeah. most of my career in the turnaround business, walking into toxic, failing yeah. entities, right? Hotels, resorts, private clubs, whatever. Um, and and finding a way to change the tide, right? Turn the corner, make make this a happy, positive place people want to be and want to work and do well at. And so it, it's all about people. If if you're not, if you're not, if you don't understand that we're in the people business, that the food is yeah. just Food's just a vehicle for interacting with people. It's just a reason. Yeah. Just a reason to interact with people that uh that you're not in the right business. And and, and it's obvious, you know, restaurants fail that uh all they care about is the pennies or all they care about is the yeah. food or all they care about is the business, you know, and they ignore the people or they treat the people poorly. So um the way to succeed in this business is uh is people. Yeah, and Bobby and I, you know, often talk before or after the podcast that everyone is really so culture centered every one of these you know and it's like if it, we've even said hey we need to have a a uh, results oriented podcast just because we always talk about culture and we you know there's got to be a tie-in right there's got to be a culture yeah i mean i would i would just ask the question like okay troy kumbaya we've all held hands we've all sat in a circle <laughs> had, had shared an emotional moment how does that translate to a successful business uh there's a lot of ways it translates to success, you know, retention, right? Attraction of employees. Right. Uh, right. Employees, Just what you described. Yeah. Right. Employees that are that are invested in you and your business and your goal because they like, trust, and believe in you and they want to be a part of that journey. 
at the end of the day, uh, they stick around, they invite their friends, and they do a much more productive, higher quality job while they're there, right? That's yeah, the answer. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, it takes a lot more time and a lot more effort. It seems yes. like it takes more time and more effort to build that and to care about that and to focus on that. It just takes more mental effort. It's not it physical effort. The reality is if you were to do the math about all the time you spend looking for employees, training employees, trying to convince them to do a good job, trying to convince them to show up on time, discipline, da, 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 and only to just churn and burn that, you know, with 146% turnover in our, in the QSR space of our industry last year. I mean, come on, isn't, isn't, isn't it worth trying another way that, oh, wow. Yeah. It might take you six months or a year, or a year and a half to really build it and, and really prove it. But then you that that whole uh, hamster wheel goes away, right? right. You stop looking yes. all those things. You stop looking over people's shoulders because now you have trust. Now you have belief. You have alignment of of uh, of goals, right? And so we're all rowing in the same direction. We're not we're not you know we're not trying to show people how to row anymore. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you, you use a lot of the same isms. That I have a lot of analogies. Yeah. Yes, I, I yeah, use a lot, yeah. I use mean, a lot of metaphors. Yeah. Perfect. I thought about writing an actual book of just the isms that I use, you know, like you ready for this? Won't love us till our people love oh, us. You know? oh, come on, come on, there it is. Come on, get in there. Oh, come on. There we go. Friendly, Friendly reminders. reminders. Scott Tatum. Uh, he's on TikTok. You don't even have to buy the book. Scott Tatum on TikTok. Um, he his entire channel is him hiking. He does like a, a daily gratitude hiker walk. It's him hiking taking a selfie video that says friendly reminder. And then it's amazing lessons of life, short sentences. Um, the, the world will knock you down enough. You don't need to do it yourself. Like take care of yourself. Don't beat yourself. Yeah. Like, so many great things. And he made a book. He just, he just put this book out. I bought a few of them to give out, but um, nice. I, you you got you got to you got to have some isms in your life for sure. Yeah, you know, and and, and I've even got some of my folks now as I'm, I'm new to what I'm doing currently, and and gentle persuasions relentlessly applied. You know, as I teach them how to go into coaching sessions or conversations, it's gentle persuasions. Don't beat them over the head, right? Like you're gonna have to do that to make muscle memory, but you've got to be relentless. You've got to do it all the time until they get it my very very close friend and amazing hospitality leader uh that not enough people know his name uh has built an entire life on the people first culture business his name is jason berkowitz and um jason uh i use a line of jason's all the time which is constant gentle pressure you have to apply yeah. gentle pressure those are the memes. Those are the jokes. Those are the metaphors. Those are analogies. Those are stories to get your point across, right? Just constantly, everything's a lesson. Everything's an opportunity. And if you do it in a story, if you do it in a in a mm. relatable conversation, um, then you're really only, you know what you're doing. You're applying constant gentle pressure in the direction that you want them to move. Um, because telling them to go stand over there uh, is not going to last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and in that leadership space, that's where I try to, we, you know, you take that being vulnerable out there as an entrepreneur, but as a leader, being a little bit vulnerable and, hey, this is when I was doing this, this is where I made mistakes or I messed up or here's a story about 
you know, me on my egg with my uh, egg on my face, but here's what I did and here's how I overcame it. So you're relatable, right? You're not this, you're not perfect and not everything you do is, is awesome, right? You, you, you came down the same road. You got to get off the the high horse when you're up on the pedestal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's listening to you from the pedestal, the, Mm. the bully pulpit, the soapbox, whatever you call it. Nobody's listening. And they're watching you. Yeah. You see eyes and you see head nods, but in their head, they're going, This guy has no idea what he's talking about because <laughs> they don't feel like that you relate and you you actually understand. Right. Yeah. It's that relating piece. You can relate to them, but they cannot relate back to you. That's when the magic starts to happen and and, and people are on board. So agreed. Hey man, great, great conversation. All right, Miles. Great to, Good to see you, man. To to Thanks for you. having me. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Cutting Ladies Podcast for this great conversation with Pepper Lunch CEO, Troy Hooper. We hope you enjoyed that as much as we did, and we look forward to continuing that conversation with Troy in the weeks to come. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great week. We'll see you back soon for another episode of the Cutting Ladies Podcast.